This is Under Review on BIC Radio with your hosts Clay Davis, Jeremy Goldstein, and Kyle DeSantis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Under Review on BICRadio.org. We got a new intro. Yeah, that was so yeah. crazy. That was so crazy. Oh that, yeah, I yeah. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I didn't see that coming either. But um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Clayton Davis alongside Kyle DeSantis and Jeremy Goldstein here for another week of Under Review, as we'll have a lot of fun and. Uh, Big week, uh, Super Bowl week, lots of lots going on with that. I think that's the obvious topic to first go into. So, I mean, honestly, let's just let's just jump right into it with the Super Bowl. Who for you guys? Um, do do you guys have any particular predictions or anything like that that you want to talk about? Um, you know, starting with the Super Bowl. You know, I'm going to build off my prediction that I went into last a couple weeks ago. Honestly, it's a two week old prediction and. When I saw the Bengals, you know, make it to the conference championship game and they had that matchup against the Chiefs, I said, you know what, it might be Joe Burrow's turn to kind of emerge as that next elite quarterback. And I think the Bengals are going to form a Super Bowl winning dynasty. I think they're going to win multiple championships under him. And they ended up beating the Chiefs. So I have to stick to that. And I think Joe Burrow has a phenomenal game against the Rams. He had a more of a second half game in Kansas City, but I really like the way, I really like the Bengals' momentum going into this game, per se. The Rams had a bit of a really good break with the dropped interception in San Francisco while the Bengals really just clicked on all cylinders offensively and defensively in the second half. They had two really good complete they had a really good complete half on both sides of the ball. So I gotta go with the Bengals and I'm gonna say by multiple possessions. I don't have a final score for you yet. Maybe I will by the end of the segment. Yes, definitely. And I totally agree with you. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, you know, obviously they had that dynamic in LSU and they're bringing it here and they've been, you know, doing a great job with that. Agreed. Kyle, do you have any particular thoughts on the Bengals or the Rams looking into this game, you know, who more specifically, like who in particular would you say is going to do better? You know, Matthew Stafford or Joe Burrow or any other key players that you would like to see, you know, perform in this game? I guess I'm just going to continue with kind of what I said last week, where with the Rams and the Bengals, obviously these, these are, these are two great teams. They're almost not to say too different, but you kind of get the the more experienced side from the Rams and the younger side with the Bengals. Obviously, for the Rams, you got Stafford, you got Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., then Von Miller and Aaron Donald on defense, and then on the Bengals side, obviously, you have Burrow and Chase. But I'm going to continue with what I thought last week, where I feel like the Rams are going to take away with it. I know I'm the minority in this case. Cause I know what you guys are for Cincinnati, but I feel like just that the the having more years and having more experience can come through on the bigger stages, and I feel like that's going to be the case for this game. I'm not saying the Bengals are going to be a one-hit wonder. Again, obviously, as we've seen with Burrow and Chase this season, they're going to be around in this league for a long time. They're going to be dynamic. Do I think they get it this year? Maybe not, but in the future, I could see them definitely winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the Bengals have definitely stepped up in particular moments. I mean, we look at the conference championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs and how they were able to just be absolutely dominant in that and basically shut down Patrick Mahomes. We've never really seen that. So do you think that will be the case with Matthew Stafford too as well? I mean, obviously Matthew Stafford throughout the, the season was – you know, he was kind of up and down. He had a lot more interceptions than touchdowns throughout the course of the game. But 
you know, he's definitely stepped up in the playoffs. Do you think that this Bengals defense, Jeremy, is going to step up to the challenge and be able to, you know, do better and play against the Rams and shut down their, you know, notable stars? I think they do because I think a major key of the Chiefs offense going back to two weeks ago is that they used Tyreek Hill down the field to open up Travis Kelsey getting really open looks, short, medium, over the middle because they have to throw so much coverage deep down the field to make sure their guys like Hill and Hardman don't get open. Jesse Bates, their free safety, has yes. played phenomenally. And he was really good in making sure Tyree Kill did not get the looks he wanted and was really playing all over the field in terms of positioning. He was deep as a free safety, played a bit of strong safety, and came a little bit over the top. So he's going to be big on guys like Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is that. He can play any type of receiver, play slot, he can, he can run out routes deep. I think if Jesse Bates can play the same type of defense and you know position himself the same way, I really can't speak too analytically because I'm not a football coach. But if, if Bates can have the same approach or a similar one at, at that to the Rams that he had against the Chiefs, I think the, the formula for success should work again. Obviously, the Rams will make their adjustments based off what they saw on film. But I think Jesse Bates is really the anchor and the key of that defense. Usually it's a middle linebacker, but I'm going to go with the free safety here. Jeremy, I totally agree with you in, in that their, their secondary has been playing unbelievable. You have Von Bell. You have Eli Apple. Awuzie, oh, you know, Awuzie, yeah, Awuzie, who's been playing really well as well. So, you know, you have all those, you know, slot receivers, and like you said, all those guys that can make plays, you know, slot whether driving, long passes, that sort of thing, um, can definitely be the case. But looking to the other side with the Rams defense, Kyle, what 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 would you see from the Rams defense? Do you think that it could? With the Rams' defense, do you think it can match up to the level of the Bengals' defense and how they've been playing, or do you think that, you know, the Rams are better in that regard? Well, I feel like with you're talking about the Rams' defense in comparison to the Chiefs, it's kind of where you're looking at different positions because if you look at the secondary for the Rams, like there are some big names, again, Jalen Ramsey in there, but yeah. they aren't, at least from what I've seen, up to that same level of Cincinnati, but I think the main thing is going to be with the line of scrimmage and where you have the defensive ends and the tackles. I mean, just looking at you have Aaron Donald and you have Von Miller on the same. Yeah. The main thing is I feel like a key to watch, in my opinion, I believe we saw in Kansas City and Cincinnati game how many times Burrow had to scramble out of the pocket because the offensive line wasn't really up to the protection. I feel like when you have – and you have Aaron Donald, and again, Aaron Donald wasn't as much of a threat in the NFC Championship game, but I feel like him and or Donald and Miller are going to have a field day. I feel like it's something that they understand the stakes. Obviously, Von Miller has won a Super Bowl. Aaron Donald's still looking for his first, first ring, and that hunger is just going to be all out on the field. Kyle, that that is a great point that you mentioned. The offensive line for the Bengals has not been up to par with all the other positions in terms of their offensive scheme and in terms of their defensive scheme as well. That's going to be something that we're that is going to be a huge key to this game. Can this Bengals offensive line step up to the plate with these experienced guys in Von Miller as well as Aaron Donald as well? And I don't know. I mean, you have the playoff, ex- you have the Super Bowl experience from Von Miller, and he knows how to compete in those certain, certain, uh, you know, in those certain moments. And I think he's really going to be, he's going to have that high concentration power. I, yeah. I think, I think that's definitely the case. How do you feel about that, Kyle? And, and if, especially with maybe advice he could give to other players on the team. Again, some of the, yeah. some of the Rams members were on that Super Bowl team that lost to the Patriots, but 
And again, there are a bunch of new guys who, again, this is their first time playing in the Super Bowl. And especially when you have Vaughn Miller and maybe even an Aaron Donald, because Aaron Donald's been there, where you can get that kind of advice and you can get it and have it be useful. So, yeah, I feel like the advice is going to come in handy for the Rams defense. I think it, I think it definitely will, too. Jeremy, uh, you know, looking at, um, you know, continuing with the Rams secondary, how do you feel about the play of uh, Eric Weddle in particular? How do you feel about no. him coming back into this game and just – he was probably, honestly, maybe, you know, he was with his family, you know, um, you know just sitting at home, um, you know, focusing on things outside of football – but how do you feel about him now finally playing in the Super Bowl after playing just three games and now playing in the Super Bowl? You know, how, how do you feel about You know, that? it's funny because if a lot of players just retired and played a playoff run, you'd kind of consider cheating themselves into a ring, so to speak. But for Eric Weddle, everybody's on board with the fact that he deserves it. He's played a sensational career for so long. And he even said himself, look, I'm trying to get this ring and then I'm out of here again. But Weddle, he, was, he really was a top-tier safety in the, in the league for a decade, so to, a little bit over, so to speak, and you know you're happy for him that he finally gets a chance to play for a championship. Definitely, but I know you guys are both Giants fans as well. Odell Beckham Jr. I know we talked about this a little bit last week too. How do we feel about him playing in the Super Bowl and getting that final opportunity? Obviously, he had a lot of troubles this season with Cleveland and everything that was going on. the The dynamic between him and Baker Mayfield was definitely very tough, and you know, everything with his dad and the Instagram posts, and, you know, that was chaotic, and then he finally got over to the Rams, and now he's been playing definitely a lot more efficient for the Rams and, and everything like that. What are your feelings on Odell Beckham Jr. potentially getting a ring and, you know, maybe even putting assault in the wound for, for Giants fans? I don't know if it would be assault in the wound. I When he got traded, I was a little, I had a little bit of animosity towards him, but now I'm at the point where, you know what, he really hasn't ballooned into... He hasn't been as good as he once was on the Giants. He really hasn't achieved that level, whether you blame that on injury or just atmosphere, or maybe he's not the player, or just maybe he's not that anymore. Look, he, he, he forced his way out of a team and, and joined a contender. And, as you know, it's not like it's the first time we've seen it. I'm not rooting against the Rams because of Odell Beckham Jr., and I'm not also going to root for the Rams because of him. So... Good for him if he wins a ring, but I, I think I've just kind of, you know, he's a, he's not in my thought process as much anymore in terms of players I dislike or have a strong feeling towards. So I'm still rooting for the Bengals, but even if the Rams win, I, I will not be upset that Odell has a ring. Definitely. You know, that's totally commendable because, you know, you could have a you know a lot of Giants fans that could have, you know. A lot of they, fans love him. A lot of fans love him, you know. They still and, do. Yeah, um, that's definitely very true. Kyle, how do you feel about Odell Beckham Jr.? You know, yeah, in the Super Bowl. I think kind of what encapsulates my thoughts, kind of what Jeremy said last week, where, you know, what's happened has already happened. He's not, again, Odell Beckham isn't on the Giants anymore. He went to the Browns, and then he's not on the Browns. Now he's with the Rams. And I know this was another thing that Jeremy said last week, where maybe Odell Beckham Jr., although he is a big name and although he has amazing highlights, he might not be someone like, I don't know if this is going to be aggressive or not. Yeah, he might not be a, a wide receiver one kind of material where he is. A, if he's a guy where you can get him on a team with a lot of names, and not to say he can kind of fade away, but he might not get that many touches. But if you find him, it'll be for it'll be for large gains and whatnot. And I feel like that's what it's been like with 
the Rams because you have you have the Cooper Cup and you you have other receivers on the team and Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby at tight end. So I, I feel like with Odell Beckham Jr., the Rams are a good fit more so because he doesn't not to say he stands out, but he also just he just he's more of a, an additional piece where. Again, the Rams are doing really good, and then they picked him up, and he has had opportunities to play, and he has scored a few times. But when he's not getting all the attention of a wide receiver one, I feel like he's able to kind of pick his spots, and when he gets the ball thrown to him, he can make big impact plays. I think that's a great point. Cooper Cup has been – everyone – you get the top cornerback in each game, they're going to they're gonna stick to Cooper Cup. Everybody else is kind of follows through with that, and that's why they've been so dominant in terms of wide receivers. Jeremy, you and, point. and going back to Jesse Bates, that's that's the thing because regardless of the cornerback that's been on Cooper Cup, he's been able to make strides. He really has not had that poor of a game all season, and that's why the free safety of the team uh, that's defending Cooper Cup is always so important because that second defender is going to really make the difference on how much does he burn your your secondary, and that's why I think Bates is the rough. Um, he might be the kryptonite, so to speak, yeah. in terms of that receiving core. But I also want to flip the script yeah, because the Bengals' weakness is on the other side of the defense, and that's the defensive line. I mean, Burrow has been running for his life all playoffs despite the victories, and now they're playing one of the best pass rushers, pass rushes excuse me, in the league. Aaron Donald is there. Von Miller has resurged into a very good player again. Definitely. And so you have a lot of guys on that offensive line for Cincinnati that are really going to have to put their head down and really make plays. So it, come, it comes to both sides of the ball. Everyone has a chip on their shoulder. And I really like that there's just no clear winner in this one. No, there isn't. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, you have the Patriots or, you know, Kansas City or, you know, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. We have no idea. We, yeah, we, we have don't have any, first any Super idea. Bowl for both, first Super Bowl for both quarterbacks. You'll yeah, have to see it. Yes, yeah. definitely. And Go especially, ahead, like, these are two teams where you could find them to be likable in their own ways, and you could find players on the team that you could root for in in case of maybe it is their it's like their first time in the Super Bowl, it's their first time coming back from getting those shitters definitely and just coming out at this level, and then you have again with the Rams, you have those veterans who have been in the league, they they've made their names known but they haven't quite yet gotten that ring, and they have that opportunity on Sunday. You know, when you when you speak of veteran leadership, a, a guy that I think of is Andrew Whitworth. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, being on the Rams for so long, he's been on the Rams since they were in St. Louis. Too. Really? I believe so. He was on Cincinnati, too. He was on Cincinnati? That was where I he played the majority that. of his career. Yeah, okay. he was selected by the Bengals in 2006. In so how long has he been on the Rams for, Kyle? Been on the Rams since... Or, Actually, just looking at his, he was with the Bengals for until 2016, and then he's been with the Rams since 2017. Gotcha. So, so kind of, kind of close. Yeah. You know, in yeah. terms of you know the transition from St. Louis, it doesn't matter. Anyways, he has he has stepped up to the plate, and he's brought that veteran leadership, like you guys talked about. Um, how do you guys feel about you know him and you know the emotion that it kind of carries? You know, him being in the league for so long and. That consistency of playing, you know, game in and game game out over time and not really having an injury. How do you feel about that, Jeremy? It's really cool that he gets to play at a high level like that, especially at his age. And I saw a video on Instagram where apparently after a game against the Lions he had someone some reserve on Detroit came up to him and was like, Hey, uh, I made it to the NFL, whatever and apparently this this 
This player was at the Boys and Girls Club in his childhood, and Andrew Whitworth on the Bengals would, like, speak to him, and, and he, he would volunteer time to go spend time with the people over there. And now it come, he's like, yeah, it came full circle, full circle for me. I spent time at the Boys and Girls Club, helped out these kids, and now one of them is in the NFL with me. So that was a kind of a, a moment that made you continue to root for Andrew Whitworth, that he really had a positive impact on a, a young guy at, a, at one time, and... You know, he, he, how can you not root for him? Uh, I, I do think he's going to lose in the Super Bowl, unfortunately, for him, but really good story. You know what? That was really, really nice because but that was really, really nice because but that was really, really nice because, um, you know, on a personal note, I actually worked at a Boys and Girls Club I have high too. school. I yeah. volunteered you did? for a year. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I had no idea that he was working with the Boys and Girls Club. I mean, that that makes me emotional and make me want to root for him a lot more. Um, Kyle, your thoughts on Andrew Whitworth and his, you know his sort of impact for the team as well. Yeah, I feel like, again, he's another one of those guys where just veteran leadership when it comes to the offensive line position. And, again, back to that story, and he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Yep, in 20, uh, 2021. 2021. Yep. And just last year. Again, <laughs> technically last year. Yeah. So. But, again, with... With veteran leadership on the Rams, in terms of the like the offensive line perspective, Whitworth's that guy. He is that guy. That he is that guy. Can go talk to and get some pointers on. I mean, he's forty years old playing in the NFL. Like, you know how you know how rare that is. Yeah, uh, it's it's that very is very rare. rare. I, I to play for that long and to you know and you know offensive linemen are just grinding through all the time. I mean, there's so much potential for injury. You know, you have a guy that's you know coming up on you and. You know, you could twist a certain way, you know, and his longevity is definitely something that um, should be, you know, noted for a long time and that should, you know, play into his legacy. In terms of in terms of who is a particular dark horse, and then we'll go into final predictions before we take a break, who do you, who do you guys think is a dark horse in this particular game for the Super Bowl? So in terms of players we're going yeah, in terms with? Of, in terms of players. Ooh, um, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. I, I think there's... There's so many players on both rosters that have all contributed, which is why these teams are in the Super Bowl. They're not dominated by one to two players on the offense or defense. They all really contribute. First, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengal. I'm going to go with C.J. Uzama. I understand he had a solid playoffs, but he got hurt in the conference championship. So I think he is somebody that... L.A. might think serves as a decoy, but I think he ends up having a big game. So I'm going to go Uzama on the Bengals. It's definitely a great point, Kyle. How about for you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with LA, and I feel like we, we've been talking about the wide receivers so much. Sticking with tight ends, are we? Yeah, sticking <laughs> with tight ends. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tyler Higby, especially just with again, he might not be the kind of guy this season where he he had about 60 catches, he had a few touchdowns, but yeah. especially just from kind of looking at what he's done this year, where Again, week 18 where he, he isn't going to be a guy, in my opinion, where, and at least all season, he hasn't been a guy where you've seen kind of light up the scoreboard where you could find him getting, like, find him getting 100-plus yard gains and whatnot. But especially, at least from recent, from the main thing I see is week 18, he had six catches for 55 yards and two touchdowns against the 49ers, which the Rams ended up losing that game. And then the Rams came over the 49ers in the playoffs. I feel like... If he stays in that role and you have 
a few opportunities Stafford can float the ball to him in the end zone he could he could get on the scoreboard for sure definitely and you know what that's a great point with Tyler Higby tight ends aren't usually mostly utilized in the NFL yeah. as much as you yeah. know they utilize on the on the Rams offense yeah, so the, that's definitely a, like, like a great a rarity, dark horse yeah I feel like when it comes to tight ends like the rarities are you have like a, a Gronkowski like a Rob Gronkowski or a Travis Kelsey where they're so prominently known where like a lot of other tight ends but they're not at that same level so that's kind of why or at least what I was thinking about when you were talking about definitely tight ends and their prevalence yeah no definitely you know in terms of tight ends finally before we head into break final predictions who's who's winning the Super Bowl this year all right we have my I have my score Uh, I don't I gotta think about something I'm gonna go with the Bengals like I've said many times 30 to 24 30 to 24. Yes. Wow. That's a very close contest. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that's the Super Bowl. So they're, they're, most of the time wasn't last year, so we're due for, wasn't close last year, so we're due for a, a close one. Six-point affair. Both these teams are, are, are in the running for it. I think the Bengals, uh, on the back of Evan McPherson, actually, make yeah. kick a lot of field goals and end up winning this one. Kyle, Kyle. how about yourself? I'm going to have to go with a score kind of similar to yours, but I'm going to flip it, and I think Rams are going to take it 30-24. to 24. Really? <laughs> really? I, I didn't think of a score. I just kind of came oh, up with no, it. Oh, no, no, right no. Like, so I just came up with it on the spot. I mean, I that's the best. 30-24, or 24, I can't change it one number. Kyle being Kyle being a rebel, and yeah. you know what? <laughs> to Jeremy, I, lo- I love it. I, yeah, I think it's great. Clay, guy, where, what's your Call prediction? You. Calm down. I, I think for me, oh, shameless I, plug. I, I don't. Th- I, plug. I don't. I don't think personally that it's going to be a close game. I think the Rams are going to run the wow. Bengals out. Oh, oh, I'm in the minority I th- here. I think, I think the Bengals. I think the Bengals are are going to get 15 points, and the Rams are going to get 32. How many sacks combined? 17-point win? Yeah. I really think yeah. that the defensive line for the Rams is going to step up and really pressure Joe Burrow, and I don't think that – I don't think this offensive line is ready. I think Wait, that's going so, to be a huge so thing. So nothing that you saw the last three weeks of Burrow running for his life and dealing with it – No. I, gave I, you any confidence? I, no, I personally think that this offensive line, it's going to be really tough, and, you know, they utilize – if you have if you have the Bengals right, um, and you have all these weapons and everything like that, but you don't have the support of the offensive line, how is that going to happen? The Rams' defensive line is so great, and it's been playing great all all playoffs. So that's personally what I think. But Kyle, you had a point. How many sacks combined between Von Miller and Aaron Donald? I think they're each going to get two. No. No. no, 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 they're not each going to have two. One one is going to have one, and then another is going to have two. I think they're really going to pressure. Oh. I think they're going to have, like, three to four sacks in this I'm game. I'm looking forward to next Saturday where I get to come <laughs> in and just be like, what, what about that What about that score prediction? <laughs> you know, I, I'm very confident in Burrow. Oh. This is a, he's prove, he, he literally has proven so many people wrong. I, I refuse to go against him here. Listen, I mean, that's that's the case. You know, that's to your particular that's credit. Football. But, you that's know, football. That's football. That's football, man. But, yeah, we're going to head into a quick commercial break. We're going to talk about the MLB. Uh, big, big meeting big, today. Yeah, big meeting big today. meeting today. Big meeting today. You are listening to Under Review on VICradio.org. Listening to VIC Radio, the only radio station that can teach robots how to love. The best of what's next. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. 
We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Do you love listening to us and want to keep up to date on all things VIC? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at VIC Radio. La la la. I love to ride my bike so I can feel the wind through my hair. Hey, kid! Wear a helmet! No way, Grandpa, because then I'd look like an idiot. The majority of bicycle deaths are due to head injuries. Helmets reduce the odds of a head injury by 50%. Don't be a dummy. Wear a helmet. This is Under Review on BIC Radio with your hosts Clay Davis, Jeremy Goldstein, and Kyle DeSantis. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Under Review on BICRadio.org. Clayton Davis, alongside Kyle DeSantis, and Jeremy Goldstein. We just talked about the Super Bowl, but we're going to head into another sport in the MLB. Yeah. Obviously, there's been a lockout for, what has it been, two months? About about that. About two months. I have a lot to say. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there's a big meeting between the players and the owners today. Yes. And I know, Jeremy, you're, you know, you're, you're excited and passionate about the MLB and what's, what's been going on with the trade, with you know, the bargaining and everything like that. There, so, so go ahead. There's the floor is yours. so much at stake today, and I understand that we've had a series of meetings and proposals that have resulted in strict declines and no, and still being far. And the result of those meetings being still, we're still far away from the beginning of the season. And I have a lot of problems with Rob Manfred right now. And I was very appreciative that the owners and the players' associations each met with their own sides and kind of understood or tried to understand where we're at. The players, in solidarity, seem to agree that they're going to make a stand if they have to, and they're going to they're not going to let the owners really win this time. And the owners said that. They're confident. Headline by Manfred. Manfred said that the owners are confident that they're going to have a season on time. And you know what? Look, if it happens, great. And I will admit that I'm at fault and I'm completely wrong. But he, to me, is evidently lying to the fan base and anyone who supports the league. Because based off of how the players are reacting, they are not close to agreeing to anything the owners have put on the table. They're In terms of... Money negotiations, they've been far away. Arbitration pool money, uh, years of eligibility coming out of the minor leagues, they're far away in all of that. So how am I supposed to believe that they're going to start the season on time when they're meeting very few times, maybe once every week or two, and, and they haven't really seemed to come close in terms of negotiations. I was really upset when I saw that Manfred came to the table and said that they were still planning on starting everything on time because you got to prove it to me. If, if, if they come to the table today and, and offer the players something very similar to what they've been offering in the past, there's going to be a problem. I totally agree with you. What I've been thinking, you made a lot of great points, by the way, Jeremy, in terms of understanding that there, there isn't a lot of communication. And when you have... Even in like a business sense, right, if you think about it, or just, you know, thinking about it in terms of sports, if you have a player that wants to get an extension or wants to get a trade and they mention it, but they don't really communicate what they really particularly want, it's going to end up not being too well. Yeah. In a sense. Exactly. Does that make any sense? Right. And 
there's also a point where the owners, headlined by a, by a major league lawyer, said that minor league players shouldn't be paid in spring training. They treat minor league players like garbage. It's really terrible. They do. It, it's, they don't get paid enough to begin with during the season, and, and they're trying to avoid paying them. And, and it just it symbolizes what Manfred and the owners believe think of the players. And they don't want to find a neutral ground, a middle ground, to make both sides happy. The owners and Rob Manfred want to get every crumb of money they can possibly get out of the players, and they don't care how many lives they ruin because of it. I, 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 that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but no, definitely, they it's their livelihood. They don't, they don't, you know? they don't, yeah. they don't want both sides to be happy. They just want themselves to be happy. They don't care how the players feel, which just shows how much of a problem there is with ownership in Major League Baseball. You look at the NBA; Adam Silver has is, is liked at least by a good portion of NBA definitely. players. Yes, Rob Manfred was elected by the owners to be commissioner because he would suit their needs. It just it just shows how much of a difference there is between ownership in Major League Baseball and ownership in other sports. Obviously, there are a lot of disliked commissioners, but Rob Manfred's at the very top of that he list. Is very, yeah. So, I would say him and Gary Bateman are probably yeah, at the top. That's a, that, that's, the that's a good bet. Well. That's a good bet. So yeah, you, you can blame Rob Manfred, but blame the owners in this case that, that he's the commissioner because the owners are going to try to find the greediest commissioner possible that will get them the most money they could possibly earn which just shows the state of Major League Baseball and how there's a lot of corruption and uh, bad people involved. Yeah, there is. And, you know, it's a continued cycle that is going to continue unless there's um, particular negotiations and, you know, somebody that steps in that could be a potential mediator and understanding that. Kyle, for you, looking at everything that's been going on with the players and the owners uh, competing against one another, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, what Jeremy said or your particular thoughts on what, what happened and what's occurring? I do not understand how it's taken this long for them to come up with an agreement. And I, the main thing for me is at least I'm not going to call the – I'm trying to think about, like, I don't know if I want to call the owners and Manfred self, selfish in a way. Really? Again, like, not Manfred, selfish? I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just trying to talk my points here. <laughs> All right. I, I really disagree with you if you don't think they're selfish, but – I'm trying to think of another word for selfish because, again, there shouldn't be a lockout right now. There shouldn't be a lockout right now. There should not be. I'm just just saying the Players Association at every point during this lockout have been begging ownership to come to the table and negotiate because they want the season to start just as bad. But because the owners refuse to sort of budge on their stance on on this collective bargaining agreement, they don't want to come to the table because they they fear that they're going to have to – they're going to end up losing – a portion of money. So it's all about the money to them. And obviously money is important. It's how people earn yes. livelihoods. Of course. But yeah. the, the, the willingness to change is what's holding baseball back from being as popular as other sports. And it all starts with the people up top. And I, I'm sorry I'm, I'm getting into a deep conversation here, but I have a lot of problems with the way it operates. Baseball is my favorite sport. The Yankees are my favorite team. Yes, yes. I love watching baseball the most out of any sport. Like if, I'll watch any game it's on. But it really upsets me with how it is operated from the top and how the product, the players, are treated. You know what, Jeremy? It's completely fine because you have so much passion for the sport. You just want it to be at the best it could possibly be. Yeah. Like the sport in general. That That's just what it is. Yeah. So that's all it is. I mean, Kyle, do you have the same feelings about baseball and that sort of thing? I mean, for me personally, I don't have that same love that Jeremy has for the Yankees. I mean, we talked about it. All of last semester, Yankees, trades, wheeling and dealing and everything like that. Um, so what, how about for you, Kyle? 
Well, like, how well, much does that really go into? Well, first off, I searched up synonyms to the word selfish, and um, <laughs> All let's, right. let's call the uh, let's, let's, let's call these owners <laughs> self-serving in a way to get so that off it's, my it's chest. The same thing. It's the it's same, same thing. thing. It's the you same wa- thing. You just wanted to sound a little professional. I just wanted to sound a little I professional. I get it. Yeah, but... Baseball for me, I've been going to minor league games pretty much all my life because I I live near Hudson Valley, now the Hyatt team for the Yankees. I've been going to games since they were still with the Rays, and I don't understand what? Tampa Tarpons, now Hudson Valley Renegades. Tampa Tarpons. Yeah, and then even if you want to go into like New Jersey, the Trenton Thunder. Before yep, Trenton Thunder. Thunder that's near me. Yeah, before the whole reformation, but Lakewood, uh, Scranton, uh, the Blue Claws, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, uh, Rail Riders. Rail yeah, Riders. Riders. Yep. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand with especially now. I know you brought up the the minor league thing. Yeah, it, the, it the, symbolizes the a lot. The statement said. The statement said that. Pretty pretty much what it says was that the minor league players should be considered trainees during spring training, and as such, they shouldn't be paid. Which they, is, it's it's terrible. It's preposterous. Yeah. They they're investing a lot in their minor leagues. The minor leagues are what pretty much keeps an organization competitive because players retire, they leave in free agency, and when you have a hole in your roster, you call up someone to the 40-man. And so they're they're pretty much what uh, keeps people excited for the future of of their team, especially if they're not performing well. Yeah. So they should be treated as such, and they're just as important as as major leaguers in in the sense that they're part of the product. It's, again, it's, it's just an example of, Ownership in baseball wanting to get every crumb of money they can possibly earn because yeah, they're not—they're not men of good faith. They're—they're—they're yeah. they're, they're just trying to earn as many riches as, as possible. So, I—I sound like a broken record right now, but it yeah. applies no, to totally. It, it applies yeah, to so fine. much in terms of the league. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about this in length. You know what the trade, uh, you know, and the bargaining agreement. So it's where do we go from here? Where where do you guys th- where do you guys stand on? Do you think that there is going to be a deal that is going to get done, or is this just going to continue to prolong into the season, into spring training, and everything like that? I'm pessimistic. I really am. I said it on New York Take a Walk last weekend. I really don't have good faith in the fact that the owners are really going to change. I don't, and, and I respect the Players Association for for collaborating and finally deciding. You know, we have to, we can't break on this. And I think as much as pessimistic as I am, it goes back to the point this meeting is going to be very telling because yeah. if there is not a lot of change in the way the players are approached by the ownership, then I think we are screwed in terms of having a baseball season because if, if they're not going to change after meeting for three days and hearing what the PA had to say now, I don't know what's going to break them later. So yeah. no, I'm not looking forward to seeing the results. I'm really scared to figure out what happens. And um, look, if I'm wrong and there is somehow a deal today, fantastic. Yeah. I'll be overjoyed. But it's very slim. I have to see it. Yeah, it's very slim. I think it's like, I would say it's like because of what has happened in the past and all of the different meetings that they've had, I think it's at a slim like 10 to 15% like, even if there's pro- that it's going to work out. Even if there's progress, great. I mean, then you can build off that and, and maybe and maybe have a shortened spring training in a, in, a, in a season that starts on time. But if we don't see much change today... I hate to say this, but I, I don't think we're going to have a season for a while. Definitely. Kyle, your thoughts on just where do we go from here and you know what the progression should be? To be completely honest with the whole lockout, I haven't been overly like 
I haven't been overly angry about it, but I don't approve of it. Kyle's a future baseball owner, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. But my my thoughts are if the MLB doesn't come to an agreement yes. and the season is delayed, there is still baseball being played. I know for me, at least, I, I spent a summer, like, first summer, not trying to advertise anything. I was I started working summer college ball, and now with that, I'm looking almost at least forward to the college season starting in a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to watch those guys, and this summer I'm probably gonna be broadcasting them. So, I guess for me, if the MLB doesn't come, at least from my perspective, where like as a watcher and whatnot, there's still baseball going on, and oh, I'm still gonna get my baseball. I need my Yankees. <sighs> Why are you in such an pessimistic mood? I love love baseball. I'm I'm calling baseball this summer too. I'm calling baseball this summer too. You're not excited for that though. I'm very excited. You you should love baseball. But Major League Baseball is Major League Baseball. That's that's the highlight. It's not B. It's 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 a very big part of my summer every year. I don't know. I just it's gonna break my heart if I don't get to see baseball this season. It really will. I I think it it will. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan, but we're we talking about the Royals are winning the World Series the, the, this year, Clay. The Royals are winning the World Series, exactly. Kyle, I, I really liked your point. I think it was super sweet. You got to look at the oh, you got to look, look at the. I'm not taking viewpoint. super sweet. I'm not I, taking why? it. Why? Why not? It's Be- a good. It's a good point. Because if 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 our if our past if our major league pastime can't get it together, I I don't know. I look. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Next best thing, you can, I, you can I, watch Triple I have AAA. The, I have the theory that Kyle is a grandson of some owner in Major League <laughs> Baseball, and he's slipping him an extra $100 to, you know, talk less negative thoughts about ownership in baseball, which is fine. Kyle's going to be broadcasting Danbury Western Baseball, I'm yes. assuming. I'll, I'll be... Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the games. I'll get a, to, I'll get a to, corn dog to or whatever, and point, I'll go to the games. To answer your point, currently my pockets are empty. I don't have any money, so... Okay. It's, not, it's, in not, it's in the dorm. It's in the dorm. It's in the dorm. It's in the dorm. I'll be. I'll, I was gonna say I'll be broadcasting collegiate baseball this summer too. It'll be. It'll be very fun, and I'm very excited because I love baseball. But I, it just you need major league baseball in the mix there. It's it just it's a requirement. I'm sorry. It's a part of summer. It, it, listen, I'm not a huge fan, but it is a part of summer, and you know. In the back of my mind, like if the Royals you know, were good, I think you'd be a lot more invested. I, I, I would be. I think so. If this, yeah. was, if this was the mid, you'd watch if they were good. I think it would. If this was the mid 2010s. Listen, I watched the Yankees for my grandfather. There you so, go. You know, I, I get I get involved with that, so it's all good. Any final thoughts um, before we head into another break and talk uh, NBA basketball? Yeah, I have I have uh, some good opinions about the Knicks coming up. I'm very excited. Yes, very exciting. So, yeah, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but you are listening to Under Review on BICRadio.org. Get out, guys! My parents are home! What's going on here? You're not mad at me for throwing a party? No, sweetie. We're just mad that you guys don't know how to party. Listen to Songs Your Dad Likes every Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. on VIC Radio. 
I'm getting a catcher's mitt. I'm getting ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool block skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat wave. A shrinking glacier. I'm getting a devastating flood. Adults are generous. We're even giving kids global warming. But it's not too late. We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. This is Under Review on BIC Radio with your hosts, Clay Davis, Jeremy Goldstein, and Kyle DeSantis. Welcome back to Under Review on BICradio.org. I'm Clayton Davis alongside Kyle DeSantis and Jeremy Goldstein. We talked Super Bowl. We talked the MLB. We're heading into another league in the NBA. What we talk about every single week is the New York Knicks. And... There's been a surprising win this week. Very surprising win. Very surprising win. Huge win, I would say. Almost like a momentum boost, I would say. Yeah. I mean, Sorts. So there's, the Knicks are two games out of a playing game spot. And that's if you told me that that's where the Knicks were going to be at, however many games we are in the season, like well over halfway, I'd be really disappointed. And I maybe would be in denial. But going based off of this road trip so far, the Knicks should have had wins in L.A. against the Lakers and in Utah against the Jazz. And... After the Denver game when Barrett went down because he played too much, it really put a sour taste in my mouth. you know. But going into Golden State, when I expected the Knicks to get blown out, after making no moves at the trade deadline, yeah, that's Julius Randle yeah. picked the best time. He was playing well before now, before then, but he played, I would say, his best game in a lot, in a long time. He was trying with a hoop, and he was he was posting up and everything, and well, he he was he was doing a great job of that, and he was and he was shooting pretty well. Too. I understand that they didn't have Draymond Green, and that the, the, they kind of let the lead go down a lot more than it should have in the end. And Clay Thompson missed that game, that wide open game yeah, time wide, shot, wide open, which I was like, yeah, like that's yeah. that's that's him. But he wow, that. that is a really important game because yes, they're two games back of the play in tournament. If every team. It's kind of separated by a little bit. So the Knicks have a chance to, to climb if they're able to get some momentum going. And they should, I, I think they should win their last three games of this season. And I want to, we'll make this like a, a few minutes of Knicks, a few minutes of Celtics. And yeah. we'll talk a lot of Eastern yeah. Conference because that's where we like Whatever to want, follow. Yeah. Going forward, the Knicks have the Portland Trailblazers today at 5 o'clock. No Damian Lillard. Anthony Simons leads that team now ever since they traded McCollum. Look, they, they, Quentin Grimes, if he plays, if he starts again and Ben Barrett sits, fine, because Grimes has played really good perimeter defense, and that's where Simons likes to percolate and operate, which is behind the perimeter. They have the Oklahoma City Thunder at MSG, which I think they should definitely win. And then they have the Brooklyn Nets, which I am so excited to play them, even though they're not they're, they're not going to have Kevin Durant, they're not going to have Ben Simmons, and they're not going to have anyone good. So, <laughs> and now they'll probably lose because I said that. Yeah. But, I, I think mean, they should win that I mean, game too. Lost 10 straight, so. so I would really, yeah, not, that's, not, that's, that's not, another conversation yeah, to that's have. Another conversation. So I think the Knicks should end this all end this uh, pre All Star break slate of games, albeit it's a big slate of games, on a four game win streak, and I think that would serve as the momentum they need to going in, as they proved at the deadline. Look, Tom Thibodeau wants to get to the play in game at the very least. He wants yeah. to have competitive basketball, and I appreciate that because when, I, when a Nick fan tells me. Oh, we got to tank again. Get to the get those ping pong balls. I say, you know what? Aren't you sick of that? Aren't you sick of that? And the, there's been so many draft busts the Knicks have had: Frank Nealakina, Kevin Knox, Obi Toppin. Albeit he's good off the bench, he's not the player that they envisioned he'd be at this point in his career. I mean, he's still got time, right? No, yeah. but with Julius Randle's really kind of over, overtaken that. So, yeah. I, I if they make the playing game again, I'll be I'll be happy if 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 that's what it takes to see some more competitive Knicks basketball. But 
I, I'm a little more optimistic after one win. That's what one win can do. But that's what I gotta say, Kyle. I don't know if you were following the Knicks yeah, this past yeah, week. Yeah, Kyle, go ahead. Whatever your what's, thoughts what's, on the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Julius Randle talked to me about him and the overall state of the team. Or at least from the Knicks, from my perspective, and this is, I was actually going to have a question for you. Uh, okay. What are your thoughts on the Knicks not doing anything at the trade deadline? You know what? I expected it. And especially because Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau, Scott Perry, they were very anti-selling from the beginning. They made it clear, especially last season, that lottery picks and losing Knicks basketball, they're really trying to put in the rearview mirror. And especially with the way the, there's not the fact that you can really get into the playing game with 10 spots, they want to make that as doable as possible. And so if a lot of the trade offers the Knicks had available to them were, were going to be selling veterans like Alec Burks, Kemba Walker, and Nerlens Noel and getting them for draft capital. I mean, the Knicks already have plenty of draft capital. So I, Tom Thibodeau is a guy who's really confident in the rotations he puts on the floor and the veterans he has. He's a big Alec Burks guy, clearly. Yeah. I think I didn't see. I really didn't think the Knicks were going to make a move unless they had a chance to make a splash for a really good above-average player. I think I didn't think they had the chance to, available to them. They did try to get baited into training for Russell Westbrook, but that's true. Good job yeah, by the that Knicks. Was, that was standing, the biggest thing. Standing firm and you know, if, uh, especially since they won beat the Warriors that that very night, it made me less you know bitter. I was, listen- I was listening. What's funny about the Russell Westbrook trade? I was listening to sports radio in the car. I forget what the show was, but they were. They were talking about, yeah, let, let's trade Evan Fournier and Julius Randle for Russell Westbrook. And they were very positive about it. And who I was in, just who, so confused. Who, who in their right mind thinks that that would actually be a good right, deal? Right, 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 exactly. And he's just been playing so bad, Russell Westbrook. And I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad the Knicks didn't make any, any, any yeah. moves or anything like that. So, yeah. you know, now that they have the P- – like you said, you know, they're now they have their – their squad for the rest of the year, and they're still they're the ninth seed in the in the NBA standings, right? Yeah, they're ten. They're, they're ten. They're right behind the Wizards at eleven, who are at eleven, who beals out for the season. They did yeah. trade for Porzingis, which is weird. Which but, is weird. But how I, do you feel I, about that? By the way, I hate Porzingis. Knicks won the, Ma- <laughs> the, the, the Knicks won the, the Knicks won the Mavericks trade. It, it means it, this is what it means in, in, in a non fan biased way. The Knicks won the Porzingis trade because Dallas did not get anything out of it. Yep, and. For the Wizards, they're trying to shake it up a little bit. They traded Dinwiddie. They traded Montrezl Harrell. So, who was the pick that they they got? Like, who did they traded a pick? I think they traded the a, a, a protected Knicks? pick of some sort. Then, okay. oh, the Knicks got a Dallas pick. That who was it? Do you know? I believe it's this year. It's this year. Okay. This year. Okay. I'm not. I could be completely wrong. But sure. maybe it was Emmanuel it quickly. Might I'm not, be, it might be 2022. Yeah. I think it was Emmanuel quickly, but. Um, that's, but yeah, but, but the Wizards are. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, scared by them. It's about catching up to the to teams like the Hawks and the Wizards at this point, and I think they can do that. And then yeah. once they, if they can win these extra games and gain momentum, and then go into the All Star break, and you know, have have some success, have some success after. I'm tripping over my words here. I've been talking a lot. There, there is some room to succeed and, and get into a, a competitive playoff spot. Hopefully, definitely. Kyle, how do you how do you feel yourself about the Knicks potentially either you know being in the play-in tournament or moving forward you know as a team in general? I feel like the the good thing with where the Knicks are at right now is they are in they're they're pretty much in the playoff picture where they need to be, and yeah. I feel like after 
the All-Star break, when that comes, they're going to have to do their best to make a run, mm-hmm. if possible, to try and get maybe outside of a playing game spot. I know the – just kind of looking at the Eastern Conference standings. It might be a little bit tight, but I feel like with the Knicks, you're good. You're you're at a good spot right now. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, technically in the play-in tournament. They're not in the play-in tournament. Oh, the play-in tournament. I, I mean, here's the thing. Ten. I mean, Jeez. with the Eastern Conference and you look, you look at it, right – you, uh, only a I would say half out, though, right? No, they're they're a game. And they're, a half tw- out. they're twelve. They're one and a half. Yes, out. they're one. one they're out. one game out. So at this point, they're they're not like gone, gone. They're they're still no, in the race. No, by all means, no. Yeah, yeah. Still in the race. I agree with you because there's a lot of mediocre teams in the East. I think That's personally, Clay, mediocre. Conference. Thank you for bringing up that point. That's a great point. There's so Aside many. Aside from the Bucks. And I think maybe, the Bucks. I think the Bucks, Bucks up. No, maybe the 76ers, but no, I, aside from the Bucks and the Heat, right? There's no team that I think would absolutely slaughter the Knicks in a series. I'm not saying the Knicks would beat them. Chicago, though. Chicago. I think the Knicks can maybe have a, some sort of. Hey, you're right. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. The Bucks and the Heat are the three teams that could slaughter the Knicks in a playoff series. Other than that. I think be, I think they could be competitive with anyone. I think so too. And it really depends because opinion, if you, like like you see from the one win against the Warriors, changed my perspective on the season, right? So anything that ha- there's so much that could happen in, up until game 82 that can make me think, you know what, the Knicks can win the whole thing, or the Knicks can not even make the playing tournament. So it's a wide range of emotions that happens to me when I'm watching Knicks basketball, and you'll you'll get a good course of it on the review. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's just. For the Knicks, I think the most important thing, and it's even for the Celtics too, and it's kind of competing sort of thing, is winning those Atlantic Division games. Those are those are so so important because they're the Nets, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the 76ers are all above the Knicks. So the Nets don't scare it, me either. It, if yeah, exactly, and if if Durant doesn't come back or you know Ben Simmons doesn't play up, you know, to task, then they can overtake them. I I I personally think. Um, Obviously, it's going against my particular own bias, but no, personally, I, I personally think that you have these Atlantic Division Coast teams, and if if the Knicks can, you know, win over let's just say two of them, then I think that they can, you know, potentially have a ta- chance. I know that the you know the division standings don't have a particular matter in it, but I I, I personally think that that that's the case. I do want to ask you before we get yes. into the Celtics a little bit. Yes, go want, ahead. We'll start with Kyle here. James Harden trade. Who won the trade? I have my opinion on that. Yeah, just trying to. I can go first if you want. No, I got it. I was just, I was just pulling up the the actual. Trade All right, itself. talk to me here. What do you got? Sixers got Paul Millsap too. By the way, they didn't just get hard. Yeah, I know. NBA. They did. They got Paul Millsap. Yeah, got I didn't Paul, know that. Who is really just a nobody? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Point. Well, yeah. he's he's been hurt. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. He's, he's also he's also old. Yeah. True. Also <laughs> with with Harden's contract, is he? This is his contract. You can leave next year. You can leave next year after the season. Next year. Next year. Okay. And okay, so he knew he can leave a, after the season. He can leave after the yes. season. Yes. All right. So I feel like it depends on whoever stays with the team at this point because obviously you got James Harden who. At this point, let's be honest, he, he might not have even really wanted to. He wasn't putting 100% in at Brooklyn. He wasn't. No, not he at wasn't. all. He wasn't happy. And part of it was because Kyrie didn't get the shot, the vaccine. Yeah. 
I mean, I go back and forth on yeah. that. I personally, personally, like, I, I want yeah, Kyle to get his no. point, yeah. but just a little quick point. I think it's it's back and forth with that. Yeah. You know, there were some where it was like, oh yeah, he's, you know, he's against Kyrie, but at the same time he's yeah. not, and then yeah. But go uh, ahead, Kyle. I also feel like with when you, when you go and make a big three with two other guys, when one of the guys isn't there for half the time, the it's not even a, it's not even a big three. Yeah, we played sixteen games together. Sixteen games. Sixteen. I know. Yeah. I was talking to my friend, um, my friend Matt, yesterday, and honestly, like in terms of my perspective on the trade and everything, it's like we don't really, we don't really know, like yeah, what's going to happen. Too, we don't really you know, know. It how these guys. How, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. How this season goes, if they stay with the teams, and what the teams are at in the future, because that's true. If you look at the Nets, they ha- obviously they got Ben Simmons. You also have Seth Curry, who, who's a shooter, great and that, shooter. That, that, that could be someone where. You could have like a you could have Durant just drive and you can kind of kick out and you can get a few baskets out of that and I mean Andre Drummond at this point just... he's he, yeah, all right who won the trade Kyle who won the trade I'm really I really don't know who won this trade at this I'll tell point. you who I think it, won the it trade it depends on if they stay with the teams and what happens with that I'm gonna go with Philly in this one because look. You had to get the best you could get for for Ben Simmons, and the team is playing well without him right now. You add a guy like Harden, who can have the ball in his hands when he wants, especially because Embiid's more of a, a, a center. Well, he's a center. He allows Harden to pretty much have the perimeter to himself. And as for the Nets, you're trading a guy who didn't want to play for your organization for a player who didn't play all season because he didn't want to play for the organization he was previously on. So I don't, and and you lose scoring in Simmons. You don't gain. The offense you once had in James Harden. And I get it it's fine because Kyrie and KD both want the ball in their hands at all times. Of course. But I feel like you're shaking up that roster a little bit. Uh, Seth Curry's cool. He's cool. And yeah. Drummond's Drummond's. But I do believe that the Sixers have their roster propelled more so than Brooklyn does here. And Brooklyn's lost 10 in a row. They've dug themselves a hole. Ben Simmons, who knows how long it'll be until he's ready to play. Yeah, exactly. Kevin Durant is still out. What is it going to be? Kyrie like? Irving Kyrie yeah. Irving can't play in New York or, or California. What are you doing yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many there's so many different pieces that play into it. It's just it just gets all mangled and everything. So many sure. so many Nets fans are celebrating on Twitter. Uh it, it, it it's crazy because they will spin Nets fans, I'm calling every one of you out here. You will spin a a Headline that involves Brooklyn into how it benefits the team, regardless of what it is. And you're acting like Ben Simmons recently has played really productive basketball. He was terrible in the playoffs for Philly. At the end of the season, he was even less of a scorer. They played Hacka Simmons in the playoffs. He couldn't shoot free throws. Yeah. His mental state was was off. Yeah. When you do a hack any How can you tell me he's going to be an immediate solution to what's wrong in Brooklyn? He he's not because I totally agree there with you. you. Go. He, hasn't, he hasn't played at all. Thank he's you. A, he's in basketball shape? No. At all. Whatsoever. He's been sitting down at home doing nothing. Doing nothing. Absolutely. Well, we, no. we can't say yeah, that. Yeah, we can't say nothing. But we like, can't say that. We yeah, don't know. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, it's super important he's working on his mental health and everything like that. That's sure. so important, right? But at the same time, he's not basketball ready. Like, yeah. th- it's going to take time. It, right. it, it really is. Um, just a final uh, thought on the trade. Obviously, we won't get into the Celtics because we're running you, out of time. But You can have many word on them if you want. What's that? You can have many word on them if you want right now. What, on the Celtics? Yeah, go okay. for it. Yeah. Go right uh, the Celtics beat the Denver Nuggets last night. I think that was a great win. I'd, 
had they were down for the entire game, um, but they made it close. No, Jokic had a triple double. Jason Tatum played absolutely absolutely great. He and has been. And in terms of the trade deadline, they made a lot of great moves. Derek White. Derek White. He's been playing. He played really well last night. He's a great driver. He could shoot the ball. He he's been doing all that. And yeah, I would just say the Celtics have just. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to what they are going to do. Now um, I want to ask. Yes. Josh Richardson, when I would watch him play the Knicks, was a good guy off the bench for who can shoot on the perimeter, but is, he struggled defensively. Do you think Derek White is a improvement off of Josh Richardson? If not, why do you think the trade was made? Well, I think it's kind of tough when you think about that because they're two different positions. You White's have, younger. You, 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 White's younger, that's true, but also... White is a point guard versus uh, you okay. know, Josh Richardson, who is a shooting guard. So it's kind of tough to kind of level set that. But Derek White, you know, in with the Spurs, played very well defensively. So I think that's definitely an improvement in terms of that. And on top of that, you did tra- they, they, you got, the Celtics did trade Dennis Schroeder, and they got Daniel Tice back. If I'm not yes, wrong, did, yes, yes, they did. Yes, so Houston, that yes. is that is interesting. I, I do like that move, especially because I'm a as much as I don't like the Celtics, I'm a big fan of Robert Williams. I think he is a really big future piece on that team. Now you have a guy like uh, Derek White to play point guard off the bench, I'm assuming? He's yes, gonna... yes, definitely. Yeah, really, 100%. really good move by Boston. You know, I, I really root for their failure all the time, but that was <laughs> good job by Brad Stevens in the front office making making some moves. You know, I, I don't like Ime, Ime, Ume, Ime Oduka. Oduka. Yeah, I don't think he's really coached all that well, but... Those were He's a little bit of a pop. They did make. They did make. I hate to say it, but he. he kind yeah, because Brad Stevens still controls that team. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that, that is that is for sure. And I think Derek White, along with the return of Daniel Tice, who knows the organization, can maybe get the Celtics up in the standings a little bit. You know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are clicking. They have been at the right time. It just depends on if they can conti- if they continue to do so at the end of the All Star break. I really like where they're going to go, and that's my final point. Yes, exactly. Um, any final. Thoughts before like we get into it, or we're all set. All set. All right, cool. Well, this was a great show. Really good show. Really, really good show. My thanks to Jeremy Goldstein as well as Kyle DeSantis. I've been Clayton Davis. We will see you next week at ten. The show coming up next is dribbling around. It's dribbling around. So uh, tune into dribbling. Yeah, more basketball talk. Right. So um, yeah, tune into dribbling around on vicradio.org.